0: So for the last four weeks, we've been talking about unity and what the Lord is doing in our church community right now. Um, it's like he's, he's weaving the family together. We've been through a lot in our short little existence, um, but the Lord is like weaving the family together so that he can do what he wants to do in the new season, right? still oh there we are everyone give him a clap thank you Tom all right so our first week we talked about strategies from the enemy to divide and conquer the unity of the church who knows the devil hates unity hates it okay so four things can we whack them up Tommy this is just to jog your memory so that you know where we've been and then we can see where we're going Four things the enemy does or some of the things. Isolation and withdrawal, distraction, unforgiveness and disappointment. The second message, we talked about four keys for unity. We still don't have anything? It's coming. Four keys for unity. Focus on Jesus and reaching the lost. Humility is a huge key if we're going to have unity in the church. Clear communication, being able to communicate clearly with one another and making sure that we contribute, okay? Because if we're the body, we're all called to do something and to contribute to, it, to the family, right? Then we talked about unity in the spirit. Um, we talked about walking in a manner wo- worthy of the calling. We talked about walking in humility and gentleness. We talked about being patient with one another and we talked about bearing with one another in love. And then last week we we talked about what does it look like. Can you remember last week, anyone? I don't have lollies this week, I'm so sorry. Uh, Prioritise knowing God for yourself. Speak no evil. Contribute. Pray. Amen. So they were the four things. Sharon and Georgie, I owe oh you lolly. <laughs> all right. So this week we want to wrap it all up. Now I want to um, go to Genesis 11. So let's just go there. We'll read this little scripture and then we'll get into it. It says, do we have anything? There's nothing there. Huh? It's in the songs. It says Unity number 5. It's in the song list. I'm going to try and get it up there for you so you can read along. Sorry guys. Small little technical hiccup. All right, we'll start to read. Genesis eleven one to nine. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, "Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly." And then they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, "Come." And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Okay. So for some context, this is after the flood, all right? The world's been repopulated and the people, they come together with united vision and they're like, we are going to build a tower for ourselves, a city. We're going to make a name for ourselves. And they came together with united purpose and vision. Okay, and even though the motive of their heart wasn't right, The Lord could see that because they were unified, that nothing would be impossible for them. Can you see that? Isn't that an incredible thing? It says in verse verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they are called to do. And nothing they propose to do will be impossible for them. We're made in the image of God. We're made to create and to, to rule and to reign, right? And God there, like Old Testament, he's saying nothing they propose to do will be impossible for them because they're united in vision and language. Isn't that awesome? So then the Lord was like, right, I'm going to scatter them. I'm going to confuse their language and I'm going to scatter them over the earth. Okay. The good news is Jesus came. He's reversed that and given us a common language of the spirit. That's why we need to pray in the spirit. Okay. Because it's our common language. Isn't that awesome, right? Anyway. It got me thinking. In order to be unified as a church, we need to have a common vision. We need to know where we're going. Yeah? Do we agree? Okay, so where are we going? What's the vision of the church? I feel like it can be a bit unclear. I feel like we're like we don't have it nailed. We've got a vision statement. It's a really big a4 sheet of paper and it talks about the amazing things that we want to see God move. And I believe that's that's the language of the spirit. It's the vision that the Lord's given this church family, right? But I do feel like sometimes when we read it, it's long and it's big and people zone out. People, we lose people. Does that make sense? So we don't, We're not chucking that out. We're not saying we're not, we don't care about that. We absolutely care about that. We're going to keep that on our website. I'm going to keep praying into that as the leader of this church. Okay, but I wanted to distill it down to one sentence so that you know what this church is all about. Does that make sense? So today we want to talk about the vision and the mission of Glory City Darwin. Okay, vision is big picture. What does it look like? What's the big picture? Okay, and our mission is what does it look like every day? What do we do to achieve that? Okay, does that make sense? So that's what we're talking about today. We're mainly going to focus on the vision, okay? So are you ready? You've got a little... You've actually got a little take-home today. It says, this is who we are. And then if you flick it over, it says our vision to be a church that looks like Jesus, feels like a family, and impacts the world with the gospel. I'm going to say that one more time. The vision of this church is to be a church that looks like Jesus, feels like a family, and impacts the world with the gospel. We just want to unpack that a little bit. First one, looks like Jesus. Man, we need a church that looks like Jesus. Do we agree? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Let's get some scripture. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've, I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the very last thing Jesus said before he left the earth was an instruction for us to make disciples. And a disciple is a person who is following Jesus. It's a student of Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus. I will forever be a disciple of Jesus until I go to be with him. Okay? A person that's brand newly born again, they're a disciple of Jesus. And someone who is genuinely following Jesus will be learning to observe everything that he's told them to do. Amen? Amen. Okay, they'll be growing up into Christ. That's our mission, to grow up into Christ, to become everything that he's, he's said that we can become, right? 1 John 2, 4-6, to Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Don't you love one, John? It's like straight, isn't it? Isn't it glorious? I'm like, yes, amen. And I feel the Holy Spirit is drawing a very clear line in the sand for the church. And He's saying, Church, you're either for me or against me. There's no halfway point. You're all in or you're all out. Okay? Don't pay me lip service. Don't worship me on a Sunday and live like hell every other day of the week. He's calling the church higher in this season okay? And it's actually not a religious thing. It's not about religion. It's not about following rules. I never feel like I have to do something. Why? Because I have a relationship with him and I get to do what he says. You might think it sounds like the same thing, but I know him. And so, when he speaks to me, it's my joy to partner with what he's asking me to do. Does that make sense? It's through relationship. It's not a list of rules that I can't and do I, you know, can and can't do. It's relationship driven. Okay? That's what actually sustains a walk that looks like Jesus. It's through relationship. Amen. Alright, and it doesn't mean that I'm like this angelic being floating around, this perfect human, all right? There are days, I'll tell you what, there are days when I have to intentionally put off my flesh. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I have to put off my flesh and put on the spirit and walk according to the spirit. It's a choice, right? There are days when, it, when it's like very real, when my flesh will rise up and I don't feel like doing something, but that's where I have to be like, Father, I know, like I am crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, so I'm going to walk according to the Spirit and what He's asking me to do, not according to what I think my flesh wants to do. Does that make sense? Sorry, I feel like I'm not articulating that very well. Man, there are times when I'll be weeping before the Lord Because he's asked me to do something I don't want to do. Or he's asking me to forgive someone who doesn't deserve it. Or he's asking me to overcome evil with good. Or turn the other cheek to someone who doesn't deserve it. Does anyone know what I'm feeling, what I'm talking about? I'm sure everyone's been there. Okay, but um, oh, the joy of doing things his way. The pleasure of God when you obey when you put off the flesh and you just obey and do what he asks you to do. There's so much blessing in that. So he's calling the church higher. Amen? Jesus modelled what is, what is available for a born-again Christian. That's why in verse 6 it says, that whoever abides in him should walk in the same way in which he walked. What an amazing invitation. Isn't that incredible? And don't get upset with me. Don't say it's impossible. Don't be like, ah, but it, it's impossible to look like Jesus, Naomi. It's saying it's possible. That's Bible. That's not the gospel of Naomi. That's Bible telling you. Amen? Amen? To him who believes all things are possible. And my advice to you would be get alone with him in prayer. When you hit things like this and it whacks you in the face and you realise this is telling me who I am, but I don't feel like I'm living it. D- does that ever happen to you? You're reading the word and, and an identity thing just whacks you, you in the face. And you're like far out. I can see I'm actually feeling condemned right now because I can see what the Bible is telling me I can live like, I can see what it's telling me, but I'm not living that way. Does anyone ever read the Bible and feel a little bit like, oh, right? I, I used to do that. Now I just feel excited. I highlight all these statements um, purple because it's telling me who I am, right? And then I go to the Father in prayer. Even if I feel like I, I'm not living this out yet, I'll go to him in prayer and I'll say, thank you, Father, for your word and invitation to know you and for me to abide in you. And I'll just talk to him. It says, like if I was doing it over this verse, it says, Jesus, that if I abide in you, I should look like you and I should walk like you're walking. Help me, God. Help me. Help me. Help me to walk like you. I don't see the fullness of that in my life right now, but I believe that by the power of your Holy Spirit working in me, I can grow up into Christ. Right? Teach me to look like Jesus. Teach me to think like Jesus. Teach me to act like Jesus. It's all done in relationship with him. And you know what? When you start doing that, you're laying a foundation and a platform for, of truth and the Holy Spirit can come and breathe on it and actually enable you to live this out. Am I making any sense? Right? So don't get condemned when you read this. It's an invitation. Highlight it. Pray about it. Holy And just watch what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? Alright, a church that looks like Jesus. I see a church that actually believes the Bible and does what it says. Amen? The people in it have a personal relationship with God that looks like something every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year. John 14 verse 9. This is Jesus speaking, and he said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I see a church that looks like Jesus. I see a church that reveals the Father. When you look at it, you see the kindness and goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Amen? Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. A church that looks like Jesus. I see a church that is anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power to do good and heal all who are oppressed by the devil. Amen? Amen? Salvations, healings, deliverances, miracles, signs, and wonders are all commonplace for God is with them. Does that excite you? John five nineteen. So Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, That the son does likewise. I see a church that is carefully listening to what the father is saying and looking for what he's doing and being busy about that. I have no desire to create a ministry machine. Says Sarah. I want our church family to be doing what the Father's doing. Amen? A church that looks like Jesus. I see a church that walks consistently in the fruits of the Spirit, all from relationship with God. A church that walks in love. A church that looks like Jesus. Sounds good, hey. Praise God. Second one. A church that feels like a family. Man, I was like, oh God, what scripture do you want to use? We've been camping in John 17 for this for this whole series, but um, I thought John 13:34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Church, the way we love one another should be one of the primary ways that the world knows that we're his disciples. We are not called to be lone rangers fighting the darkness alone. We're called to do it as a family, right? The only way we're going to push back the darkness is by functioning as a family, arms linked together, pushing the kingdom of God forward. And I feel like one of the practical ways you can actually grow up in walking with Jesus is by committing to being a functioning member of the family. Isn't God a genius? If we only ever hung out with the people that we agree with and, I don't know, with our besties all the time, it's easy to hang out with those guys, right? When we put us all in a room together and we're all so different, we're not always going to think the same things. We're not always going to agree on how everything should go But it's the perfect place where love can be matured in us because we have to learn how to get along. We have to learn how to keep the main thing the main thing and to just let go of all those little bits and pieces that really don't matter as long as Jesus is being glorified and we're like advancing the kingdom. Amen? Isn't he a genius? He's like, I'm going to put them all together and make them function together. And I'm going to make it that they're going to need one another. And they're going to be the body of Christ. And that they're not going to be a full expression of me unless they're all working together. Gosh, he's a genius. And it's also why humility is so key for unity. I see a church that looks like family, where someone's always got your back, where everyone pitches in, where the least to the greatest is valued, honoured and loved, where you feel safe to be real and open-hearted, where we weep with those who weep and rejoice and celebrate the victories together. I see a family that doesn't bail when it gets hard, but leans into prioritising connections, I see a family that glorifies Jesus. Excited? Third one, impacts the world with the gospel. We've already read it, but I'll read it again. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. So he's like, all authority is given to me, I'm going to give it to you. Go therefore. Right? So you have the authority of Jesus and the mandate of the church is to advance the gospel. It's to Reach a lost and dying world with the message that they can be reconciled to God. Amen? It's a priority in our church to make disciples. Connecting people to the Father and then walking with them to grow up into Christ. That's why we're always talking about church groups. That's why that space is so important. Our church groups provide family and discipleship and they're a major key for this church community to grow. So if you're not in one, I encourage you, get in a church group, get connected that way. And there's a very clear direction that we're taking these groups on for us to get a solid foundation in our walk with Jesus and at the same time to equip you to make a disciple. And it's exciting now that we've got third and fourth generation disciples in our church community. We've got, because you're only a successful disciple when you can make a disciple. Does that make sense? How do you know you're a successful disciple of Jesus? You can make a disciple and then they can make a disciple. When your disciple is making disciples, then you can be like, amen, amen. They're they're doing what they're called to do. Does that make sense? And so by just us focusing on just discipling, everything else aside, we can impact the world by just doing that. If you intentionally disciple one person, think about your world. Is there one person that you can disciple? You don't have to have a master's in theology to disciple someone. It's simply taking them by the hand and teaching them how to walk with Jesus. Amen? Okay? So if we all did that for one year, that doubles the amount of people in this room that love Jesus, love the, love the church, are uh, uh, going after God. Okay, but also have a think. It also puts a person who's on fire for Jesus in all different spheres of our society that we could never reach as a church family, right? So all of a sudden, like Tom's discipled a, I don't know, someone at his work and there's a whole family now that has a burning Jesus-loving person that didn't have that before, right? And Keely's discipling someone at Dondale and then they like go and they they go back to their community or they go and they get a job somewhere and all of a sudden there's a burning on fire Christian in that workplace or in that community right who knows whether the child that you're discipling may very well be the next prime minister of Australia who knows like Every single person has destiny and purpose in the Lord, okay? So every person that you sow into is advancing the gospel and, and making, like impacting the world, amen? Discipleship, so important. And that's not even talking about, you know, us wanting to partner with Um, communities and send missions trips and and doing those sorts of things we will absolutely do those sorts of things down the track but right now we're focusing on prayer and discipleship and and creating a culture where it's normal that we just help people grow up into Christ amen okay so your action would be get in a church group amen Get in a church group. So to be a church that looks like Jesus, feels like a family, and impacts the world with the gospel. That's our vision. That's what we're all about. Mission, I'm not going to labour this. I'm just going to read it out. We exist to help you. How are we going to do the vision? We exist to help you grow in intimacy with God, in your identity as a believer, and to equip you to increase the kingdom of God. Because we know that when we grow in our relationship with God and we, we understand, we begin to know and understand who God says we are, our identity, it automatically leads to increase of the kingdom. Amen? So we're not going to... We're not going to go into that. But I want to encourage you. Put this in your Bible, put it on your fridge. This is what we're all about. As a family, this is where we're going. So if you're if you're on board, if you wanna if you wanna be part of this church, this is what we're gonna be all about. Okay, if you're not on board, I bless you to go and find a church where you can be on board with, with what God's calling them to do. But this is what God is calling us to do. Amen? Hallelujah.